Good morning, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48 and the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. Hey guys, today marks the 12th episode. And as many of you know, in some of these podcasts, I invite you to place yourself in a story. You become the central character. I would ask you to use that blessing of an imagination. Now, if you're willing, close your eyes, unless you're driving. If you're driving, do not close your eyes. Now, you're about to enter the play. It's 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning. If that's too early, work with me, people. You have thrown on your favorite running gear and headed out of the house. Your wife is still fast asleep, for you've learned how to be quiet as a mouse when you leave. You shut the door. Set the timer on your watch for 30 minutes, and you begin to head out on your run. It's a run you've been on a hundred times through your neighborhood. Everyone's home you pass, you know. It's as safe as a neighborhood as there is. You're running at your usual pace, starting to feel that familiar feeling, becoming one with your breath. The air is crisp as the season is turning towards fall, and there's even a few leaves now that have fallen on the neighbor's perfectly manicured lawns. As you continue the run, it's still morning dusk out. There's not even a dog out barking in a yard or from inside staring at you from a window. You have 15 minutes left before you get back home where there's a hot shower and a warm breakfast that will be waiting. 10 minutes, you can almost smell the bacon. Five minutes. You see your home like a beacon, like a light in the dark. Then a shadowy figure comes out. Thud. All you can remember is seeing the garage light as you entered your driveway before all goes black. As you slowly come to consciousness, you're disoriented, and your first thought is, I'm dreaming. All I have to do is open my eyes. So you say to yourself, wake up, wake up. Wake up! And then you realize you're already awake. Your eyes are open, and all you can see is blackness. And this isn't a dream, it's a nightmare. You feel suffocated at what seems to be like a hood over your head, tied around your neck with a cord. But it's not tight enough to strangle you, just enough to make your breathing laborious. It's like every time you breathe, you feel like something is pushing on your windpipe. Adrenaline shoots through your body. You lift your hands, trying to untie the hood, but with the same force of energy you reached out with, gravity slams you back down to earth as you feel the piercing pain of the chains around your wrists. And once again, you lose consciousness. You awake with the taste of blood. It's yours. It's from your tongue that you bit down on. You just don't understand. I was just running around the neighborhood, you say to yourself. What happened? You listen for any sound, and the air is as silent as a grave. You realize whoever did this to you, you are at their mercy. All you can do is wait and see what happens, but no one comes. You remember for your days when you did hikes on the desert that a person can live without food for 30 to 50 days before getting weak and in usually 43 to 70 days, they'll die. But that isn't what really concerns you right now. 
you know without water a person will die in three days. That terror starts to flood your mind. What if no one comes for me in three days? Then you smell an overwhelmingly sickly sweet odor and you fade out of consciousness once again. What you don't know is two days have come and gone and your family has went from I wonder why dad is late to dad is missing and your wife and kids have searched the neighborhood and came home to a package on the doorstep. Your wife had opened it and she finds your, your sweatshirt, the one that you were wearing on your run, shredded by a knife with stains of fresh blood on it. The letter has your bloody handprint on it. It reads as follows. Your husband is still alive, but will not be for long. The following are instructions, and you must pay us what your husband is worth. In three days he will die, either from a lack of blood, dehydration, and if you don't respond to this number below, we will ensure he will be dead in six minutes from suffocation. Your wife called the number, given instructions to empty your joint bank account worth $500,000. She's to drive alone to the local cemetery. When she arrives, the instructions are clear. Get out of the car and run. Search for the oldest gravestone. The cemetery seems to go for miles, but the instructions say to run to the last grave and leave the money there. The man's wife follows the instructions to the letter as if someone's life depends on it. It does. Yours. She drops off the money in the package as per instructed and runs back to her car. She's so exhausted, just running on sheer adrenaline. She sees the car door is open and the light on from the inside and there is a package on the front seat of the car. She opens it and there is her husband's shredded, bloody sweatpants. And there is another letter, this one with another bloody handprint on it. She reads, how much is your husband's life worth? If you do not deliver another $500,000 by noon tomorrow, your husband will suffocate to death. She calls and gets a loan for another $500,000 using their home as collateral payment. She gets the money and waits further instructions. It's 9 a.m. She has less than three hours before the countdown to her husband's death. She's instructed to another cemetery, this time to place the money next to a freshly dug grave. She follows the instructions, drops off the money next to the grave, and runs back to her car. There's another letter. She's trembling and drops it before she can read it. You, however, have no knowledge of any of this. You come to with a feeling of splinters on your back and realize the floor you're laying on is wood and that the laboring breathing has changed. There's no more hood over your head. You still feel like you're running out of oxygen. You raise your hands this time. No chains to hold you down, but your hands are stopped seemingly in midair as you hit the wooden ceiling above you. You realize why they removed the chains and why you're having problems getting oxygen. You're in a coffin and buried alive. How long you've been in the ground, 
how much time do you have until the oxygen runs out? You have no way to know, and it's getting harder to breathe. Your wife, as she starts to read the letter, looks at it in horror. She can't even say the words as it reads, it's not enough, your husband will die. Shock sets in. And then this guttural primal scream pierces the air as to give you one last breath, but you can't receive it as your oxygen supply fades. You grasp for that one breath of air. She then receives a text. Remember the freshly dug grave? She runs back through the graveyard and throws herself on the ground and starts digging with her hands. And soon she hits a wooden object as this is a very shallow grave. She soon sees a coffin lid and her hand touches something metal buried in the dirt. She frantically now unearths more of the coffin and searches for the seal key. She continues to dig until she finds it and unlocks the coffin and inside is her husband. She bends over her head in the coffin to start to give air and in your lungs you can feel it, barely, but you can feel it, air. And the thought now comes to your mind, I'm rescued, I'm going to live. Then there's a thud. The shadowy figure comes out of hiding and the breathing stops as your wife's now unconscious body falls next to yours and the lid closes with a loud crash. The seal key is applied, entombing both of you. With your last gasp of air, you find her lips and blow into her mouth until all goes black and you die. The shadowy figure finishes burying the coffin and disappears. A letter arrives the next morning, left on the porch of this parent's, woman's parents, and her mother reads it. She faints to the floor. Her husband picks up the letter and reads it. How much is your daughter's life worth? And instructions where to leave the money. This is happening right now to people all over the world. They are receiving these letters. Where's your loved one right now? How much are they worth? Now open your eyes. Bruce, you might be saying, this is a horrible podcast. Why did it have to end this way? She paid everything the kidnappers wanted. This is a horrible ending. What is your point? Great questions. This podcast call is like a line off the movie Seven. Wanting people to listen to you, you just can't tap them on the shoulder anymore. You have to hit them with a sledgehammer, and then they'll notice you've gotten their strict attention. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. All humanity that has ever been born or ever will be is captive in spiritual darkness. You and everyone around that you will ever meet is in the same generational cycle. You are dead spiritually, you just aren't aware of it. All around the world, in every village, hamlet, neighborhood that makes up the world's population, a ransom is demanded. So how much is your life worth? 500,000? A million? More? 
Do you really know? Have you ever thought about that? What is really your value? Who determines your worth? At this point, you may be saying that love determines your value. Do you know anyone who would pay a ransom for you that loves you that much? Not even if they tried. Mere mortal love is not enough to breathe life into spiritually dead bodies. What if I told you someone did pay your ransom over 2,000 years ago? It's paid by blood. You see, according to the Bible, you're kidnapped by spiritual darkness that in the end wants to bleed, dehydrate, and suffocate all the life out of you, not only this life, but for eternity. You are as good as spiritually dead and buried in your sins, and your life supply of oxygen is running out as each day you get closer and closer to dying. And you have no idea how much time you have left. Six minutes? Unlike, however, in this story, another died in your place. He was nailed to the cross. As gravity pulled his body down as he raised up on the nail, he said it is finished. He, unlike the character you played, did not suffocate in the grave, but rose on the third day to ransom your life from your captors. He defeated them. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. While the above story is just that, a story, the truth is you can't pay or anyone else pay the ransom. He did it for you. You are so valuable to God that he gave his very life for you. So how much are you worth the very blood of God? to save you from yourself and your captors. This podcast ends with the question, your answer will determine your eternity. Will you surrender your life to Jesus as Savior and Lord? If you don't decide, then death will decide for you. Let's pray. Lord, you love us and gave your life for us. You said if we repent from our sins and confess to you as you are our Lord and Savior, We would be ransomed from captivity and given abundant life for eternity in you. Forgive me for my sins and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. See you guys in two weeks for the next podcast of Wonderful Counselor. Have a blessed day. Love ya.